Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And yes, my Tortuga Backpack was with me when I was in Kenya last month and is going with me as I head to South Africa tomorrow. So it is crisscrossing the Atlantic Ocean back and forth with me both times to Africa in the last two months. And I would not have it any other way. I love my Tortuga Backpack. I love my Tortuga Day Pack. And if you are looking for the perfect travel backpack. You want to head to tortugabackpacks.com. Check out all the offerings they have there. And they now have three sizes of backpacks as well as packing cubes. So go to tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode one. 87. In Kenya, most people believe it's unhealthy to drink ice-cold drinks, and therefore, most drinks are served at room temperature. Yep, even the beer. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less, although today's episode may be a little different. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the princess to my pauper, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Ha ha, Trav. Anyway, it's good to be back. I feel like I haven't been on the podcast in ages. And I meant that as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting here all dressed up nice. I'm sitting here wearing a t-shirt with stains on it. So it was meant as a compliment. It also defines our travel styles and styles in general. And Heth, I think it's a little bit of a cause for celebration today because as fans around the world know... We constantly record from random places, from inns in Prague, from farmhouses in Tuscany, from bedrooms outside of Philadelphia. You know, we're always recording from all over the place. But today's episode is the very first episode we have recorded from our very own home. I know. It's pretty wild. I can hardly believe it. For the past month, we have been fixing up and renovating our house that we had previously been renting out for the past five years. So we are living here now. It's really exciting to have a home base and have an office, even though we're not recording this in the office. But no, to have we don't an have, office... We don't have central air, so we're actually sitting on our bed in our bedroom because it's a place with a window unit so it is about 95 degrees outside today in Philadelphia. So we're recording from a place with air conditioning so that we don't sweat too much through this podcast. But it's really neat. This does not mean that we will not be traveling. In fact, tomorrow we are getting on a plane and going on a 48-hour adventure all the way down to South Africa. And we'll be there for 20 days. So it does not mean that we won't be traveling. But it does mean that we are kind of transitioning. And we talked a little bit about this on the podcast um, and some other episodes, but we're transitioning to having more of a home base and figuring out how we can travel slower and have more of a home base at the same time. So we've been doing that 
um, for the last month. Been here in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Feels good, right? Yeah, it feels great. And this room is a little bigger than a lot of the bedrooms we've been podcasting from before. We've got some room to wiggle out and hang out. And I do want to give everyone a little bit of backstory because today's podcast is entitled Why We Spent $7,000 to Go on a 10-Day Trip. And as you all know, we are usually pretty frugal travelers. I don't want to say super cheap because we do do stuff on a budget and we've done plenty of podcasts talking about how our budget has changed and our travel style has changed, but we never splurge on these huge extravagant type of things. But on this last trip to Kenya, we did. And there's a few very specific reasons for that. And that's what we're going to touch on in this podcast. But Heth, first, give people a little bit of the background of the trip in general, how it came to be. Well, I have always wanted to go to Kenya. It was in my top five list of places that I want to go to. Um, The other ones being Morocco, Peru, Greece, Kenya. And I don't know what the fifth one is, but Kenya was in the top five. And I was begging Trav to go, you know, for a while. And we have these friends, Stu and Amy, who run a nonprofit in Kenya. And for the past, like, two to three years, they go every June, or July, rather. And for the past two to three years, they've been inviting us to go on this trip with them to, like, see the schools and to go on a safari and do all this stuff. But, you know, every year it didn't work out with our schedule. This year, we just happened to be in Switzerland filming a TV show, as many of you know, And we had about six days um, of lag time there that we spent in Corsica. And then this trip to Africa, to Kenya was happening. And everyone else was flying from the United States mostly. But we were already, quote unquote, on that side of the world because we were in Europe. So we decided, hey, let's make this work. And let's go right down from this TV show in Switzerland to this other really epic trip and that is going to see the schools being built and the safari and all that in Kenya. So that it, it, it fit into our schedule a little bit, you know, better than it had. We actually didn't have anything going on there for those 10, 11 days. And that's why we decided to do it. And so it was a trip with World Teacher Aid, which, as Heather mentioned, is run by Stu and Amy McLaren, good friends of ours. And it just so happened that we were able to go on the trip. But I just want to say, we didn't decide to do it when we were in Switzerland. I mean, no. we had planned it in advance. At least a month. At least a month we decided to go in April, I think. April. So Maybe May. Maybe May. I think we May. made the payment in May. But, and again, the trip cost us seven grand. I think that's what we're going to be getting at here is we do not travel this way. We, You know, the seven grand would be enough to sustain us for seven months, basically, in Thailand. And well, that's a bit of a stretch. When we were in Thailand yeah? for three and a half weeks, we spent $1,100. Okay, fair enough. And we didn't cut any costs or anything like that. All right, so let's say we could have been in Thailand for five months. You know, we stretch our travel dollar pretty far, and that's what we try to teach everyone. But there are very specific reasons why we decided to spend this. So, Heath, I want you to kind of talk about some of the reasons, because we did talk about this at length. We knew we wanted to go on it, but $7,000 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for anyone, but especially a lot of money for us. So what were some of the reasons that we decided to do a trip like this? Well, I think that some of our reasons vary a little bit between you and I, but I know that, again, I mentioned- The princess and the pauper. Right. I mentioned that I'd always wanted to go to Kenya, so- 
this was an opportunity for us to go. Another reason is it was completely planned out by Stu and Amy. I mean, from the arrival at the airport to departure 10 days later, every single detail was perfectly planned out. Amy does a fantastic job organizing this whole trip. It takes her forever to organize it. She puts a lot of thought and love into it. And so to go on a trip like that, that we didn't have to think about at all, to me, sounded amazing, especially coming from, you know, 10 days of filming in Switzerland and, and our busy travel schedule for the past three years even to just go where we didn't have to think about anything. And we knew that every accommodation was going to be beautiful and luxurious. I mean, because you are getting what you pay for, obviously. So that was a, a good reason that I wanted to go. But on top well, of that, we should mention, too, we don't, as you guys know, and I keep saying that we don't travel in a way with, with groups or anything like that. It's almost always independent travel that we plan ourselves and we book the accommodations and we're looking for the best deal. And we like doing it that way because you could save money, but it is stressful and it is a lot of work. And a this lot of was planning. totally planned out. We paid the money. We didn't have to worry about anything really. And it was interesting because we had come from Switzerland where we were filming a TV show and that was the same way. Now, we had to worry about a little bit of stuff because we were actually filming and kind of our performance with filming. And if you want to hear more about that, we recorded a two-part podcast about our experience there. And we really dive into that. But we didn't have to worry about hotels or accommodations or anything there either. So these two trips back to back where we didn't have to worry about planning it and this independent travel vibe, that was really interesting to me. And it was really nice. It wasn't top of my list. And I wouldn't always spend money for that convenience, like I call it, but it was very nice. Right. So then a secondary reason for me, at least, was I was really excited to go on this trip with World Teacher Aid and to see the work that they're doing in these rural areas in Kenya. I mean, the way that they're changing lives. So, you know, that was a secondary reason for me, which I guess kind of sounds like ridiculous. <laughs> it should have been maybe the first reason for me, but... It overexceeded my expectations. I can't say it enough how much I was moved and inspired to be a part of this trip with World Teacher Aid, seeing the schools, you know, seeing the way that each community has evolved and grown in such a positive way, uh, which we can get more into later. But, you know, that was this, um, the second reason I wanted to go and looking back, it was almost the most important reason for me. Yeah, I kind of split this into two different reasons. One was to to be able to give back while traveling. And we did this in a very small way. I mean, we were more blessed on this trip than the people that we got to meet, I think. I, we got to meet some fantastic people. But we don't usually volunteer when we go on trips. You know, we, we do this independent travel thing. We haven't done much travel volunteering, things like that. So it was very nice to be able to go into these communities and to be able to help build these schools in, again, a very small way. We got there three days before the school opening, so there's only so much we could do, but we got to get into the community. We got to give away books. We got to help build uh, little parts of the school. You know, I got to bend rebar for five hours and make these forms that they put the building up. Heather got to paint and do a little bit. So we're not 
by any means exaggerating the fact that we came in and changed this community. But it was nice for us to be able to do a little bit when we went because we don't normally do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying we changed the community. I'm saying that World Teacher Aid has transformed these communities. And part of the trip was visiting, they started this organization about five years ago and we visited the very first school, that, or was it seven years ago? I'm it might have seven. been seven, but I think they've been in Kenya for five. Yeah, so years. we went to the very first school that they vi- that they built, and that was an amazing experience to see that community five years in the making. So, you know, it's, to go from having basically nothing, and these yeah. kids would walk to for a little bit of background. We were working in IDP camps, so they're internally displaced people. So when Kenya had their tribal wars back in two thousand and seven, these people were had to leave their land and were put into in essence refugee camps in their own country and these these communities had nothing and so Stu and amy and world teacher aid have come in and work with these communities a lot of these communities would have to walk you know the kids would have to walk six seven kilometers to school so you know they they normally wouldn't or there'd be days they'd go and then the other days they couldn't so by building schools in the community now the students are able to go to school and as heather mentioned the first school shalom what was really neat is they built an elementary school the first year and then the second year they came back and built a high school because they saw that these children were there and they were really engaged and they're going to school and they were getting good grades because now all of a sudden they just had to walk you know less than a kilometer to go to school it was there in their community and then they thought well what happens when they're done with primary school now they're what's the point if they only go up to eighth grade and so they were able to build a high school in that community so that was really neat because five years has made a dramatic impact on that community because now they're getting ready to graduate their first group of kids. Like they'll be going into their senior year next year. And now these kids will be able to go on to university for the first time. Kids who would have never had a chance to do that. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I was just so blessed by going on this trip and and seeing all of that. And we got to see it on all levels. So we got to see the schools that were built. We got to dedicate a new school that had just been built. And we got to go out and scout out locations for new communities where they, you know, prospective communities that they might build the school. So that was really neat how they were able to show us, you know, every part of the evolution of this as well. Yeah. And the, the second way I split that up a little bit, you know, give back while traveling, was the opportunity to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do very easily. And yeah, I'm sure you could go to Kenya and you could find a way into these communities and you, you know, maybe you could see their schools and things like that, but I don't know how you would do it. And you would, it would help if you knew a local. And so by going on this trip, we were able to already be engaged into that. Stu has been going for the last five to seven years. They have locals on the ground there who work with these schools and who do a fantastic job picking out the locations and the masonry guys and everyone there in Kenya, they know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And just to land in Kenya and like get to meet all these people that are already involved. Like when we got to our hotel in Nairobi, we met the rest of the people involved with the trip, but then we met people in Kenya, you know, people who are on the ground every day there, you know, doing all of the stuff that's necessary to get this this rolling and to get the new schools and to maintain the old schools, you know? Yeah, so, all the day-to-day stuff while the donors, people like us, are, you know, back in America, wherever we live, you know, donating money and things like that. They are doing the day-to-day community building, working with the government, everything like that. 
And so they know this better than anyone else. Yeah. And like another point is that these people, these Kenyans who are working with the government, you know, they have it together. So, you know, like with World Teacher Aid that you can see where the donations are going and it's well organized. Now, if you go into another school or another part of the country just on your own and you bring books or you bring supplies you might not know if they'll be using it for the school or if you're giving money and it's going to that thing because there's a lot of corrupt nonprofits or government organizations or whatever that you can't exactly see where the money is going yeah we- but with this organization you really know like okay th- here's a school that's being built like for this school that they built that we just opened in July. The money was raised last November and already the school is built in July. I mean, that's insane. A 10-month or 9-month turnaround at Haji Farms. Yeah, we got to be so close to that level. Usually you're, you're, you know, layers and layers and layers away from seeing that. We got to be right there like in it. And we got to do some amazing things, again, that we never get to do. For example, when we're, we're opening the school, you know, we got to go three straight days to Haji Farms to the community. And this is a rural community you are not going to find on <laughs> your own. I mean, you are driving down dirt creek beds that are washed out. It's insane. Yeah, and, and let me just mention that even though we paid a lot for the trip, the part that we were in rural Kenya at Haji Farms was not the luxurious part. Okay, we were camping in this like government officials yard. Now, granted, we have camped before. And so we're used to camping. But some of the other people on the trip were not used to camping. And we didn't have to set anything up like a company came in and they put up these canvas tents and we had like cots, but we didn't have running water a lot of the time. There was a electricity here and there here when and there. Obama actually was was in Kenya while we were there so that was kind of made everything even crazier because people were so excited that Obama was coming to Kenya and of course we were Americans so everyone was asking us about Obama they cut the electricity when Obama was going to his hotel I love this story we're sitting there the electricity would come in and out intermittently anyway and the camera guy who was filming all this was always worried because at night he'd have to charge his batteries and all this stuff so we could get footage for the next day and the electricity was cut and we didn't know when it would come back on and this was getting late at night and Irene, the the one lady who's on the ground, who works with the government officials, who's like the head honcho there in Kenya for World Tea Trade, we just assumed it was regular power outage. She comes back in an hour later and says, oh, no, no, I just received word on my cell phone that this power outage happened because Obama had just landed on the tarmac. They didn't want anyone to know what hotel he was going to for security purposes. So they cut the power in the entire country of Kenya. Like, I just imagine someone sitting there with a switch, flipping it <laughs> off and being like, this country's going dark because we don't want people to know where Obama is. So it's just a funny, funny time in general. Yeah. The camping, that those three nights were not luxurious, but they were really fun and they were the most meaningful three days, I think, of the whole trip because we were really in that community. And, you know, here we are complaining about not having hot water for showers. You know, like I literally didn't shower for four days. It was not pretty. But for anyone. For anyone. <laughs> but um, thank goodness for dry shampoo and like towelette wipes. But then we're complaining about like not having water, not having electricity. And then you go into this community where they don't have anything. You know, they're not taking showers. And it's like you're so humbled by the fact that we are so spoiled as Americans and as people who live in like westernized first world countries that, you know, we're used to all these luxurious things. And then these people are so happy. They're like crying tears of joy just to have a school, just to have a school. It's it's insane. It is. 
one of the best moments, and we talk about an opportunity not to do things we, we would normally be able to do. And we always say, you know, try to have these authentic travel experiences. That's one of the things we try to teach here at Extra Pack of Peanuts through podcast and website. But it's not, you know, you have to put yourself out there. And it's not easy, and it doesn't always happen. What was cool about this trip is we were able to have them every day because of how close we were to the center of what was actually happening. Like, we were with Irene, who was the head honcho there. You know, we were in these communities that not many white people, if any, have ever visited. And we were able to do that because we were the group that worked so closely on the ground. And so we drove up to the first day to Haji Farms, the new school that was opening, and we just see a barricade of people, like maybe 100 people, women, kids, men. I mean, mostly kids, mostly the school children. And they stop our van. And we're all kind of like, okay, what's going on? Because we had these three vans. And, you know, we weren't scared or anything. We're just like, okay, no. where are we? We didn't know when we yeah, were getting because there. because we weren't at the school site yet. Right. You know, we, were, we, were, we were cresting a hill. What we were actually at was the previous school site, which was someone's old house, right. like a, you know, long, skinny house. And we ended up looking at it later, you know, and, and touring it. And it was like, oh, my gosh. It was a house converted into a school, we but it was a small... We could not believe that children were, like, going to school in this house. So... Where we stopped, the, where the buses were stopped, were at the old school, and all the teachers and the students are just waiting to greet us. And we're like, we don't know what's happening. You know, we get out of the van, and no one knows what's happening because it's the first time anyone's been to that site in in our group. And we get out, and it's all mayhem breaks loose. I mean, they just start banging the drums. Singing, the kids are singing. Dancing. Everyone's running around. Running. I mean, it was so wild. I've never experienced something like we, that. We crest this hill. You know, they stop us so we can't see what's what's over the hill at all. And and they start dancing and, and kind of walking, dancing down towards where, towards the, you know, the very top of the hill. And we get up there with them and you just look down in this awesome valley and then you see the school being built down in the valley. It's about a mile away and you see all the homes on the hillside. It was gorgeous scenery. I mean, they... You know, they don't have a lot, but they do have some amazing views and vistas. And so for it it was about a mile and it took us, what, an hour and a half to like (laughs) dance our way down an hour, probably an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. It was probably a mile, but you're not just like walking. You're like dancing and singing and like, you know, kids are running up to you and, you know, grabbing your hand and smiling and you're tickling them and then they're running off. And yeah, it's, it's just pure joy. It was so it was such an incredible experience. And, you know, you think like, how do they contain these kids? Right. Because they're just like these wild kids singing and dancing and like so happy running down to the new school. But then when we get there, the headmistress was just like all business and she had them organized into grades in groups and then each group well actually before that happened we got to the school site and we danced for like another hour well they asked if we wanted to do activities yeah and we thought that meant you know kicking around the soccer ball things like that stuff we had done at the the school that had been built that we went to the day before we're like yeah yeah, let's do activities and activities meant the same thing banging on the drums singing and dancing and just going crazy yeah for another hour hour and a half yeah, it was so much fun. And then after that, I mean, we were like running around in circles and doing all these different dances. Then after that is when she sat them each down by grade. And then they each performed like a special song, a dance, getting us inter, you know, interacting with them in each grade. It, it was just a beautiful production and it was so well organized. I was like, these kids are so full of energy and so full of life, but yet they're very strong. 
structured. Yeah, the respect they had for the parents was insane. It was it was really beautiful to behold. She would say something, they would respond kind of like not a chant, but she would say like are you guys happy? And they'd be like, yes. <laughs> and then, you know, she'd be like, okay, everyone move into your grade levels. And then they'd all move into their grade levels and they'd sit down and, you know, and then she'd say, grade two, come up. And grade two, they'd worked on these, as Heather mentioned, these performances, these dances and songs. And they would do it until she told them to stop, which sometimes it's like 20, 25 minutes of the same song and dance. And it was really, really, really neat. And they just had total control and they were so respectful of not just the adults, not not just the headmistress, but all the teachers and then their parents and everything that they were given. So we gave out pencil cases with pencils and erasers in them. And these kids were clutching it to their you know, chest and just holding it like tight as if this was the most important thing. It was just really neat to see. And so we got to have these opportunities that, yeah, you, you can find. I mean, I'm not saying don't go and seek those out, but we, I don't know how you would find them in Kenya. And so it was really neat to go on this trip because it was right there for us, figured out already. And we just had to show up and really be able to see the heart of a community in Kenya. Whereas if we went on our own, it would be very, very difficult to see. And I, I think that was you know a huge reason we decided to, well, not not decided to pay the money to go on this trip, but we didn't expect it to be that amazing, and it really was. I mean, it was a perfect trip. I, yeah. I could not imagine anything else. But one of the main reasons we decided to pay the money to go on this trip beforehand that, you know, one of the things that we expected to get out of it was the chance to connect with people that we wanted to surround ourselves with. Right. So going on this trip, like, of course, Stu and Amy, actually, Amy didn't end up coming, um, but we knew Stu was going to be there and we really wanted to connect more with him and other people who are going on the trip because it's mainly comprised of other entrepreneurs. And, you know, being solo travelers, just Travis and I, and, you know, sometimes we we're with Jason, Travis business partner, and we're connecting with entrepreneurs, but most of the time it's just us. And so we wanted to build our community and meet other people who are inspiring or people that we respect or people that, you know, are doing things better than us so that we can learn from them, you know? So going on this trip, we knew that a lot of great people were going to be on it and that we would love to just connect with them. Yeah. A lot of people that we looked up to from, from Stu and Amy and the stuff that they do as entrepreneurs to then a friend of Stu's and now a good friend of ours, Jeff Walker, who, if anyone's in the online business space, probably knows him because he does a thing called product launch formula and teaches people how to how to make products and then how to market them and things like that. People who I knew of before this trip were going on it. And so it gave us the opportunity to connect with them in a way that was going to be totally different than paying for their online course or even paying them thousands of dollars to come and help you with a product. I mean, some of these people it will cost you 5 to 7,000 dollars a day to sit down with them and be able to have them help you with something that you want help with. And we thought, well, you know, I think there's value in that. I think it's a lot of money, but I think there's value in that because these people are very, very successful. But why not pay $7,000 to go on a 10-day trip, an amazing safari, have all these opportunities, and be able to connect with them in a way that is really, really genuine. So Jeff and I would sit there and bend rebar together for hours and help build a school and have conversations about... What, how I could help him with travel and how I can help him in his business and how he can help us with our business. So to be able to do that was invaluable. And we knew that going in. And that was one of the reasons we decided to spend the money. 
it even exceeded our expectations because we've now been able to form bonds with people. Um, for example, you know, Heather, the one girl who helped Stu put on the trip, Molly, is now a good friend of Heather's and they're looking to launch a really cool business together that talks about yoga and being centered and, and how to find your center while you travel because both of them travel yeah. a lot. And while you're an entrepreneur too, not just if you travel, but you know, we all have these busy lives and we, we need help sometimes just like we need help in business to just really focus and have balance with, with your health and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, just, yeah, I completely forgot about that actually. Right. So here we <laughs> so- go. Heather and Molly are going to be starting this new website and that's because we went on this trip. Dan, who was the videographer who came to, to film this trip so that they can make a video about the stuff that they do in Africa for World Tea Trade. Phenomenal with video. Just one of the best videographers we've ever seen. Yeah, and, and we, an absolutely wonderful person. Like, he's probably one of the nicest persons I've ever met. He's just really nice, down to earth. Like, you could talk to anyone. And we got to sit there with him and just pick his brain. And we showed him some of the videos we made. And he showed us the videos he made. Talk Which about, were a lot better, of course, of than course, our videos. But talking about <laughs> how to do it. And he's like, I'd love to follow you guys around and shoot videos for you guys. And, you know, we met Gree and Henrik, who are also online entrepreneurs and people who talk a lot about how to live the life that you want and create the life that you want. And they're from Norway. And, you know, they invited us to come to Antibes, France and stay at their place in the south of France. And they live in New York City and we're planning on meeting up. So just all these amazing people on this trip. And, and I know we're missing a few people, but all these amazing people on this trip who, who did some really cool stuff that we were able to connect with, and we knew that going in, but we, I, I knew it would be a good chance, but I almost thought, okay, I'm going to get to pick their brains about stuff. I didn't realize the bond you would form in 10 days when you're doing something that is this authentic and this amazing. Yeah, and and for three days, you're camping and no one's taking a shower. Or some people had gotten to take a shower before the water went out. But, you know, for the majority, you're doing things that you're not going to do, you know, in New York City or in L.A. or wherever you happen to live because it's a completely different experience and you're outside your comfort zone and you're you're helping other people so you're just feeling i don't know happy and inspired and then you you know, I, it's just it's hard to explain but it was absolutely worth every penny like every part of this trip you know the giving back and like meeting the new people and then last of all i didn't all, even mention like, the fact that andrew and faye Stu's yeah. sister and brother-in-law andrew and i are looking to work together on a partner project that's going to really do some cool stuff for travel. Um, A little project that we're looking to put together very soon. I'll let you guys know about that. Yeah, it was just insane, the connections we formed with those people and with the Kenyans that we got to meet, like Super Mosh. His name is Mosh. We called him Super Mosh. He was the foreman on this project and one of the most gentle souls I've ever met. He reminds me exactly of Bunti, who is our favorite person from Cambodia, who some of you have actually used to be your driver when you went to CM Reap. Just these really awesome spirits. Yeah. And another thing about this trip, I mean, there's so many things I feel like we could talk for hours about this, but but Mosh, Super Mosh, you know, he lived in one of the first IDP the first camps village. in the same in the first community of Shalom. And he went through the schools there. And so he's young. He's only like 24, I think. But he shared his personal story of like living in the the IDP camp and all of the struggles that he had and how, you know, having this school built there like gave him a hope and 
and it gave all his young his big thing was it gave his younger sisters a chance to go to school because his life had been upended. He loved school, and after the tribal wars broke out, he wasn't able to go to school. So he started learning how to become a mason while they were building this first school in his community. And he's so good, and he learned the skills. And he was so proud that he was able to give his younger sisters and the younger com- uh, generation an opportunity to go to school that now he is the head mason on all the, all projects, the projects for World Teacher Aid. And he said, this is my life's mission now. Yeah. I have a hope because I can go into these communities and build schools for people. And it was just, it was absolutely amazing to see someone whose life could have gone total opposite. And he could have hated the other tribes. And, you know, he saw his friends killed and stuff like that and his homes de- home destroyed. And here he is working with the tribe that had done this to his tribe back in 2007 he's working beside them and teaching them the skills of being a mason so it just it's absolutely it's amazing. amazing and you know again another thing that you were saying about how we got to really be on the ground involved with these communities like we got to hang out with mosh for days and we got to sit around a campfire and like hear his story and it's just so inspiring and it just I mean and it's all because of Stu and Amy and like Amy's the one who really had the heart for Kenya and for building these schools and you know it, it was just incredible it, it was incredible and um, that is why we spent $7,000 to go on a 10 day trip and we, we touched on a bunch of reasons here some of them we had no idea you know going into it I think our reasonings were a chance to connect with people that we wanted to surround ourselves with. People who are really doing awesome stuff entrepreneurially and, and also making big impacts with World Teacher Aid. And we wanted to, to see how they worked and become closer with them. We also wanted the convenience. We wanted, okay, we're going to pay this. We know we're going to go on an awesome safari. That is, we, we didn't even touch on, but we went on a four-day incredible safari at the governor's camp in the Maasai Mara, which is one of the only... Uh, safari camps in the world that's not fenced in so you have animals animals, just like hippos at night going through your camp i mean you know this is a very very expensive safari that if you broke it down per day it was like 600 700 a day which you know we paid for because we paid that seven grand up front but it was nice to just do it and pay it and not have to worry about it and just be able to sit back for me and have the experience and not worry about how much it costs every single day because i said i've already paid it I know it's going towards a good cause. You know, this is going towards World Teacher Aid, helping to build more schools because some of what we paid got donated. You know, the stuff that was left over that they didn't pay for us to actually stay in these places. So the convenience was nice and the opportunity to to do um like to do well by other people. But I didn't think we'd really get to see the communities in the way that we did beforehand. But I'm so glad we got to do it. Yeah, it was the best part of the trip. I mean, and saying that when my dream has been to go on safari, like, of course, the safari was amazing. And I think it's a great addition to the trip. But I mean, it's just as good, if not like not as good as going to the communities, you know, because you get to experience so much there that you wouldn't normally get to experience. And I, I think the purpose of recording this podcast comes down to the fact that we were feeling torn about this $7,000. I mean... We, well, we Travis were, especially was feeling I, torn. I, yeah, I should speak for myself. <laughs> you know, I told Heather when this opportunity came up how much it was, and she said we should do it. And I, you know, I was a little apprehensive. I knew it would be worth it, but it was still a lot of money. I mean, no matter how you slice it, that was a lot of money. And so what we actually did was the money that we got paid for filming in Switzerland, we said, 
you know what? We're going to take this and we're going to roll it right into going to Africa. And that's going to pay for the Africa trip. And, you know, we were blessed by this opportunity to go to Switzerland and film this TV show and get paid to do it. Let's like not even put it into our bank account and roll it right into Africa. So that helped too. That helped rationalize it, at least in my head. But I was still apprehensive. I mean, it's a lot of money. So the point is, if, if there's something that you're looking at, and it is a lot of money, it's not how you normally travel, and it, and it is more expensive than what you normally do. It is a lot more expensive than you normally do. Look at it from all the angles. See if it's worth it. And if it is, you are just going to have to make the decision. I remember the decision of having to hit that submit button of $7,000, probably the biggest check. I didn't write a check. It was it was electronic, but probably the biggest amount that I've ever paid out for something at once. And I remember feeling a little nervous and I did it. And the value and the the experience we got out of it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And oh sometimes- my gosh, I hope we can do it again. I hope we can go every year. I mean, that's not going to be possible, but it was my favorite experience of the entire year and the year's not over, but I don't think anything can surpass it. And I have to say, looking back, it's probably my favorite travel experience that we've ever had. And I know we've recorded podcasts on that exact subject and we've named other things as our top experience. So if we do a second one of those, I'm already ruining the surprise because this would be my, my favorite travel experience ever. When we can say that this after this 10 day trip to Kenya with World Tea Trade is as good, if not better better than filming our own TV show in Switzerland. I mean, I think that says it all right there, how amazing it was. And so the point is, if, if there is something that you've thought about and, you, and, you've, and you're like me and you might be apprehensive to spend a lot of money, but you've thought about it, you've looked at it and you, you know that this is going to be worth it, pull the trigger, go for it. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, not even pleasantly surprised. I think you're going to be blown away with how incredible it can be. And so this is therapeutic a little bit for me because it, it, it my relationship with money is sometimes considered quote unquote miserly maybe, <laughs> but it was well worth it. That's why we spent $7,000 to go on a 10 day trip, something that could have sustained us for months and months and months in other parts of the world. And I, as I mentioned, would do it again in a heartbeat. And it was a fantastic experience. So hopefully this can just help you maybe change your mindset or open up your mind a little bit to to other opportunities. Yeah, because we still love budget travel. I mean, case in point, we got these tickets to South Africa for $330 and it is a hellish trip coming up. I mean, it'll we be have 48 hours two, of traveling two layovers at uh, three layovers. Actually, when you include getting into Johannesburg and then getting down to Cape Town, it's not going to be fun. So trust me, we still like a good deal. But um, You'll, we'll actually be doing that as you listen to this podcast. We will be en route to South Africa if you're listening when this comes out. So yeah, we have not gone over to the other side by any means, but there are times that make it worth it. And if an opportunity comes up that is one of them and you think it is for you, jump at it, do it, you know, and really just enjoy it for everything that it's worth. I couldn't agree more. So there you guys have it. Why we spent $7,000 for a 10-day trip to Africa. You can get all the show notes, anything we've talked about, in today's episode at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. You can also get all our old episodes. So we've referenced some of the old episodes we've talked about. We mentioned, you know, the double episode we did about what our trip to Switzerland was like, what it was like filming the TV show, pulling the curtain back on that. You might want to listen to that. We've talked about some of the other 
episodes that we've talked about. You can get all that as well at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can get that on iTunes. You can get that on Stitcher. You can also get it on Jabbercast, which is the new podcasting app that I've been using and that I love. Hath, how long have I been complaining about the iTunes podcast app and how crappy it is? You do not like it. And so I would say since it existed. Yes, yeah, since I've been listening to podcasts and Jabbercast is out there. I've been using it. I love it. Extra Pack of Peanuts is actually a featured podcast now on Jabbercast. The guy, it's just cool. Check it out. It's way more user friendly. You can see pictures with it. There's a lot of cool stuff with Jabbercast. I love it. I've been looking for a good podcasting app. I think this is the one that finally does it for me. So you can check that out. Jabbercast is the name of the app. I want to give a shout out real quick to our sponsors, Tortuga Backpacks. We will be trekking with our Tortugas on uh, to South Africa. 48 hours of flights and layovers over the next couple days. Check that out if you're looking for a great travel backpack, tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. That will get you 10% off your entire order. Yes, and if you're interested in learning more about Stu and Amy's organization, it is called World Teacher Aid, and we will link that up also in the show notes. I would definitely check it out because I couldn't say more good things about this organization. And one last little note here. We are coming out with a brand new free video series. I've been working my butt off over the last three weeks to create some awesome videos for people. So if you're not a member of our email newsletter yet, you have to get on there. That's how you're going to get this free video series and a lot of other goodies. We are just jam-packing this with amazing, awesome stuff for people because I wanted to recreate our email series because it's been a couple years. So finally, I spent a lot of time doing that. You can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free, enter your email address, and you'll start getting all that good stuff. I think it is time that we go pack because we've got less than 24 hours until we hop on a plane. Yeah, I have a lot to do. So (laughs) thank you guys, as always, for all the support. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy happy free free travels. travels.